haven't uh, podcast and that you can catch in with this series and you'll be really blessed by that. We've been talking about what it means to be an expression of Christianity in our culture, what it means to be Christ-like Christ followers. And as we're beginning to discuss these things and unpack these things, we are looking at how we can best express Christianity and what it really means to belong to one another, what it means to be part of something. Um, we've been looking about what it means to believe, having a right belief that orientates you in the world properly, that you can mitigate against the suffering and malevolence of the world and uh, become all who you're supposed to be. All who you're supposed to be. Um, I've been really blessed this week by reading Psalm 25 in the Passion Translation. How many got the Passion Translation? Uh, it's, it's, it's great. It, I mean, it's part of your tablet thing, and you can just switch versions. It's great, isn't it? But when you come to church, I would encourage you to bring your Bible. Bring something with God's Word on it. And when I'm reading a scripture, I'll let you know what it is, and you can look it up and follow along. But Psalm 25, I've been so blessed by this. It's not really part of my sermon. I'm just really blessed by it. Um, but I've been praying this. You ever pray the scripture? You ever get the scripture out and say, God, speak to me through what you're saying in your scripture this morning. And I encourage you, if you don't open your Bible daily, or to challenge you, if you don't open your Bible daily, then open your Bible daily. Forever I will lift up my soul into your presence. Lord, be there for me. Well, you could pray for a good hour on just that, couldn't you? Be there for me, God, for I keep trusting in you. Don't allow my enemies and my foes to gloat over me or the shame of defeat to overtake me. For how could anyone be discouraged when he has his heart entwined with you? Oh, my word, this is blessing me right now. They'll all be defeated. They'll all be ashamed when they harm the innocent. Lord, direct me through my journey so I can experience your plans for my life. Reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. Forgive my failures as a young man and overlook the sins of my immaturity. Lord, give me grace. <laughs> give me grace, Lord. See how you can pray this? Oh, I'm going to keep reading anyway. Always look at me through the eyes of your love, your forgiving eyes of mercy and compassion. And when you think of me, see me as one you love and care for. How good you are to me. When people turn to you, they discover how easy you are to please. So faithful and true. Joyfully you teach them the proper path even when they go astray. Keep showing the humble your path and lead them into the best decisions. Lord, I want to make the best decisions. Bring revelation light that trains them in the truth. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who follow his covenant. For the honor of your name, Lord, never count my sins. Forgive them all. Lift their burden off my life. You ever been burdened? Lord, lift the burden of my mistakes off my life. But one still... Still one question remains, how do I live holy in the fear of God? Show me the right path to take, then prosperity will be my portion. My descendants will inherit all that is good. I'm believing for my children that prosperity and favor will not only be mine, but it will be theirs. There's a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near and they receive the revelation secrets of his promises. Rescue me, O Lord, for you're my only hero. 
Sorrows fill my heart as I feel helpless. I feel mistreated. I'm alone in misery. Come closer to me now, Lord, for I need your mercy. Turn to me for my problems seem to go from bad to worse, but only you can free me from these troubles. Until you lift this burden, the burden of all my sins, my troubles, my trials will be more than I can handle. Can't you feel my pain? Vicious enemies hate me. There are so many, Lord, I can't see you. Will you protect me from their power against me? Let it never be said that I trusted in you and you didn't come to my rescue. You're my perfection and my faithfulness and my bodyguard. You are my hope and my trust in you as my only protection. Zealously, God, we ask you to come and save Israel from all her troubles. You provide the ransom price for your people. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? You can just, I mean, you could just pray one verse a day and I'm sure the Lord will bless you in that. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, you come to us and you speak to us. You open the revelation promises, the light of your word. Let it shine in our hearts. Let it show us the right paths to take. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. Amen. So we've been talking about belonging. We've been talking about what it means to believe and take responsibility of that belief. Now I want to talk about becoming more than who we are. You know, we are more than just merely flesh and blood. You know, people say, listen, I'm only human. And they use that as an excuse to just do whatever they want to do. But yes, you're only human, but you are more than just flesh and blood. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place of God Most High. You are more than just flesh and blood. And I want to talk this morning about how that belief changes us and we start becoming who we're supposed to become. You know, when you see a child or you see a young person and you see they have such potential within them, but that is all they are is potential. And it's a tragedy when you see potential being wasted. And I don't know if God gets frustrated with us or not, but he knows that we can become more than who we are. He knows that we have the potential to take on the world and to bring heaven to earth. And I'm not sure that God is that frustrated, but I think he partners with us that we are working together with him to bring about the kingdom of God. And I know sometimes we can be frustrated with ourselves, especially when we see ourselves as merely human, as we see ourselves making mistakes, as we see our failures, as we see those missed opportunities. But I want to pray that God directs our paths, like in Psalm 25, that he just opens those things up to us and reveals to us his plans, his purposes, and that we can step forward, take responsibility for ourselves and for those around us and begin to bring heaven on earth rather than living in hell, death and destruction. So I want to recap where we started last week, that God has called us to have faith in him. You remember I was speaking about when he called his first disciples and he called them, he says, follow me, just as you are fishing for fish, I want you to fish for people. And he starts to teach them. He starts to train them. He starts to use the skills that they have in fishing and turn that in for the purposes of God's kingdom. 
You know, God uses the talents and gifts that we have, and he wants to train us and bring us into a place where we can use what we have to advance his kingdom. And what does his kingdom mean? His kingdom means that he is king. His kingdom means that we are part, not just part of this natural world, we are part of a heavenly kingdom. And that begins now. He says the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the good news that Jesus began to teach and preach. And this is the good news that we believe, that his kingdom now invades earth and somehow we are part of bringing about that kingdom Stopping the gates of hell, he says, I'm going to use my church to stop the gates of hell and to bring in the heavenly realm. And he says, you need to repent. You need to change your way of thinking. And the way you, when you begin to change your way of thinking, we begin to realize and fulfill our potential. I want to finish talking about belief today and then start talking about what we are supposed to become. You know, we need to believe and understand that, number one, we are created in God's image. Created by God in his image. Yes, deceived. Yes, we sinned, fall short of God's glory. We chose our own way, which brought in death, but been, been rescued and saved by the perfect one who took on our guilt and our shame and he reconnected with us with God and his resurrection shows that he has the victory over sin and death and he will return to fulfill his kingdom fully at the end of time by believing and entering into this understanding we know that we're part of a bigger picture we know that we believe our beliefs enter us into something that is bigger than just ourselves. We believe and trust in God the Father. We believe and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. We believe and trust in His Holy Spirit. God opens up His Scripture, His Bible to us. God revealed Himself clearly through the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. God makes Himself known to us personally, each and every one of us as believers, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we might not be able to unpack and understand all of this, but we're asked to trust and believe in this. This is called faith. This is a different sort of knowledge. It's the knowledge of being known and being loved and being loved in return. You know, if you ask somebody, you know, how do you know you're in love? And, you, and they say, I just know. Well, try and convince me. It says, well, I just, I just know it inside. And that's the kind of knowledge that God wants us to have of him, that trust in him, that I believe in him. Well, maybe I can't explain um, six-day creation and where the dinosaurs came from. And maybe I can't explain all the science behind it, but I know I was created by God. I know I have purpose. I know I have meaningfulness in my life. I believe it. And maybe I can't explain everything, but I know that I I know that God is, exists, and I know that I'm a handiwork of his creation. I know that everything around me couldn't have been an accident, and everything around me is purposeful, and I'm part of that purpose. I'm part of that where God wants to invade earth. I'm part of that kingdom. There's no reason not to believe in God or intelligent design, but then there's there's that step further from intelligent design to the, the fact that I can know this God personally, that I can know him through the person of Jesus Christ, that I can get to know God for myself and everything is made. And I want to unpack the scripture. I want to read it. I want to take it. I want that scripture to be part of my life so I can become all that God has for me, that I can believe that I am part of a bigger picture. I'm part of his plan for my life. And his plan for my life is that we follow him 
which is the good news, that he takes us out of the kingdom of darkness, which came when we chose our own way, the death that followed when Adam and Eve chose their own way. But we're part of a rescue plan that God put into place right there in the beginning, that he wants to take us out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. We need to believe these things. And that belief is the beginning to an adventure of a whole new transformed life. You know, if people don't believe anything, then there's no goal, there's no purpose, then there's no aim. But there is an adventure that God has called us to embark on his journey with Christ. See, when Jesus came to call his disciples, he came with purpose, proclaiming the good news. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. The time is fulfilled, he says. The kingdom of God is near. Repent, believe in the good news. And then he calls his disciples to follow him and be part of of that good news. You know, that believing follows with corresponding action. And that corresponding action is not only for us to follow Christ, but for us to bring others with us into a place of belonging. So they feel they belong, they're connected. That's why we're building community. That's why we're building friendships that really matter. That's why we're connecting with people that we can connect them with God. That's the belonging, isn't it? That believing, it's everyone's job to bring someone else into a place of belief. And God partners with us as he did his disciples. And he said, now... All authority in heaven and earth I have, Matthew 28, is given to me and I give it to you. Now therefore go and make disciples. You know, if you have disciples, often that meant you are a rabbi. And maybe we don't see ourselves as a rabbi with a little band of 12 following us. Or maybe we do. But we do have an area of influence. We have an area of impact. That maybe it's not just a student-teacher thing going on, but we are... But we live in a way that encourages and challenges and uplifts those around us that we're part of something, that they are part of us, that we have influence over others. I spoke, begin to speak last week about how our belief changes things. As we begin to take responsibility for what we believe and start living in a way that shows what we believe. And where Jesus said, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. We take the responsibility of that belief and orientate ourselves properly. Start beginning to manifest in ourselves in a world, in a way that brings heaven and opens the door for heaven. Jesus says, when you open the doors of heaven, they're open. When you close them, they're closed. You have this kind of authority to open and shut things. When we begin to take responsibility for ourselves, and that is where we open up heaven for others. You know, where there's a void of responsibility, then hell comes in. But when we are willing to sacrifice ourselves, open the door for heaven, let heaven invade earth and begin to transform ourselves, we become more than, we're <clears throat> more than who we are because we are invading earth with the heavenly realms. You see, to follow Christ is to know that we are part of something. I'm following you. I'm following your teachings. I'm taking what you've said in your scripture and I'm applying that in my life. So we need to know what we believe. We need others around us. This is why we talked about belonging a few weeks ago. We need that friend that sticks closer than the brother. We need those around us to challenge us, to encourage us. And we surround ourselves with people that want the best for us. This is why we have home groups. And Jesus had his little home group or his home 
armies around him. He had his 12, and he had trouble with them. So God bless him. Uh, But he had those 12 that were close to him, that followed him. But he also had that little inner circle, those three that were with him, Peter, James, and John. And to those, he kind of had a closer relationship, especially with John. We read that whenever time Jesus sat down, Jesus was almost, uh, John was almost sitting on his lap, you know, right there with him, that closeness, you know. And Jesus had that with those guys, and he could share things with them that he couldn't share with others. And I want to encourage us as, as, as we're thinking about our home groups, as we're thinking about accountability with one another, we're thinking about hanging around with people who are a good influence on us. Look for those twos and threes. Look for those people who you can be open and honest with. Look at those people you can be accountable with that will pray for you. You know, that what times when you're struggling and life isn't as great as it should be. And, and, and even if you're not in pain and suffering right now, often we are only one step away from suffering which is the heart of the Christian message that Christ came to suffer and die for us but when we surround ourselves with people who will challenge us and speak into our lives um, we go beyond that superficial relationship into meaningful friendships and that begins as, as knowing who we are in Christ and believing the best about other people this is how When we take what we believe and we begin to act on what we believe, we take responsibility for ourselves and our actions. And despite the fact that we're flawed human beings and we live in a world where there is pain and there is suffering and there is evil, we know that we are made in the image of God. That's why our belief in that is so important, that Christ himself, he came in the very image of God to restore us back to that image that we had right there in the beginning. That creation where God in Christ was involved and Christ is involved in recreation of us as human beings. You know, one of the foundation beliefs that we need to understand is that God loves us. God made us and he made us to look like him. That we're more than who we are in our flesh and blood. That somehow we are made in his image and his likeness. It says he created them in Genesis. And then this is the basis on which we form our relationships with others. Not only are we, do we believe that we are made in God's image, we believe that our friends and our family, our loved ones, even those ones we don't love, are made in the image of God and we establish relationship on that basis and we begin to value others of whom people God loves, loves enough to warn them when they're going wrong, to rescue them from hell and destruction. Your life can be hell on earth, but we can make a difference to people's lives by the way we interact with them. And for us to become more than who we are, we need those relationships around us. We're talking about becoming. We're talking about seeing the potential within us and seeing the potential within others. This is why the community is so important. This is why our relationships have to go beyond the superficial. I was talking to someone this week who I've known for many years, and many years, and and all our conversations are, are based for, what, 10 years or more around football. I mean, I love to talk about football. That's soccer for you Americans. I love to talk about that. I love to talk about, especially when my team wins the Manchester derby. You know, I love to talk about things like that. And I'll catch up with that person. But I said to them, we need a, 
I want and we need a deeper relationship than just talking about casual, small talk, weather. Now you can't have that with everybody. I know if you meet someone in the street and you start opening up all your life problems to them, you know, maybe that's not the appropriate. But have those connections that you can really genuinely talk to someone and tell them that you're struggling and tell them that and that they will come and pray for you. That they won't just go, oh, never mind, you know, just, just how life is. No, we want someone close to us that really cares for us, to want the best for us. I know I've said this last week and probably the last few weeks, but the best in them should want the best of the best in you. This is the way we build each other up. Not someone that just tells you what you want to hear, but someone that will call you on your foolishness. Someone that cares enough about you to correct you. Someone that sees you going down the wrong path and says, hey, this is the path of hell and destruction. You're sowing the wrong kind of seeds and you need to turn around and you need to begin to repent and believe and trust in God. But God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You want friends around you like that. That will talk straight to you. No? Yes? Yeah, you do. Trust me, you need that. I need that. I have that. So you need to have that too. Galatians 6, I love this. Make no mistakes about it. Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10. If you've got your Bible, you can have a look. Make no mistakes about it. God will never be mocked. What you plant will always be the very thing that you harvest. Have you got someone in your life that will say to them, you know, the seeds of what you're planting now are going to harvest something you really don't want later down in life? Can we be that straight with each other? Well, Paul is here. He says, the harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you'll experience a harvest of corruption. Another translation says, if you sow according to your flesh, if you only put into your flesh, you will only reap corruption. You need to sow into the Spirit. He goes, if you plant good seeds of spirit life, you know, what are good seeds? Good seeds are reading your scripture. Good seeds are praying with one another, coming to church, having that fellowship with one another, having those relationships, the right relationships. They are good seeds of spirit life, praying, praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourself up, Jude says, praying in the Holy Spirit. If you sow good seeds of spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from everlasting life of the Spirit. Don't allow yourselves to be weary, disheartened in planting good seeds for the season of reaping. The wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially the brothers and sisters in the family of faith. You know, as you begin to bless others, you are sowing seeds. But you know, there is an enemy out there who would love to separate. Jesus said to Peter, he says, you're going to deny me. He says, for Satan has asked you to separate you, to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you return, you will restore your brethren. I love that. I love that because he did restore him. And he did. And Peter went on to go and change the whole world. Amazingly, Peter was still reading stuff that he wrote thousands of years later. But the enemy would love for us. To, to sow those seeds of doubt into our lives, to sow those thoughts that God is against us, that deception that he'd love 
to get in. But we need to say, no, we're going to sow good seeds. We're going to think good thoughts. We're going to reap a harvest. And we're not going to get weary about this because we know God's going to do this. He's going to do this. But there is the snare of the enemy that would love to separate and to divide us, especially from those around us whom we have given that place to speak into our lives. Because as two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus is right there in the midst. I don't think it's a coincidence he says two or three. I think there's significance in that. In that, because you can have that close relationship. And in that close relationship, you find Jesus Christ. When we begin to open up our lives to others. Um, uh, I'm going to crack through a couple of scriptures here. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. It says this. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Apt, teaching, teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. You know, the way we treat others needs to be in a spirit of gentleness because, you know, we can fall into the same traps ourselves. We need to restore people. We need to come alongside people. Why? He says, God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to the knowledge of the truth and that they may escape the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. We need that belief in God, right? that we need that relationship with others. We need that belief in God that we can become more than who we are. That our belief in God becomes that passion to see others set free from the deception that the evil one has held them captive. That their eyes will be opened. That they'll be turned from darkness to light. This is the kind of relationship that we want. That we are able to warn people when they're going down the wrong path. We're able to warn people when they're sowing seeds to their flesh because they're going to reap corruption. We need to encourage one another to sow good seeds of reading our scripture, reading our Bible. We should get together in small groups, home groups, read the scripture together, discuss the scripture and pray for one another. We need those twos or threes of accountability that we come and we challenge each other. I know I'm just... I feel like I'm needing to repeat this. Maybe some of us haven't heard it yet. Let me read this. Ephesians chapter 4. What does it mean to live the life of holiness and righteousness that God wants to have? He says, I affirm this and I insist on this. This is Ephesians 4 verse 17. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They're darkened understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance and hardness of heart. They've lost all sensitivity. They've abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned from Christ. For surely you have heard him. You were taught in him as truth in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former life, your old self, your corrupts, corrupt and deluded by its lusts and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind to clothe yourself with the new life created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness you know you can turn these things into prayer you can turn these things into prayer and say God I want to live a new life that you've given us I want to help those around me and this begins by belonging to one another. This is beginning to believe and taking responsibility for your belief. And then it's the realization that we are more than who we are. You know, when Christ comes again, we read in Revelation, he comes as the judge. Actually, Christ comes with two hands, one with mercy and one with judgment. 
one with grace, and one with the standard of perfection. And we know somehow that our life isn't all that it's meant to be because he comes with that perfect standard. Anytime you see perfection, you can see yourself as not meeting up to that standard. That's why Christ comes with both. He comes with grace, but he comes with judgment. He comes with grace because he knows we are human, but he comes with judgment because we know we're not all we're supposed to be. But by our belief in him, by our trust in him, by getting the right people around us, we begin to see that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. And we don't need to fear the perfect image of God, of Christ. 1 John, he says that you are children. You are already children of God. Let's read it rather than trying to quote it. Here we go. 1 John 3 verse Two, he says, Beloved, we are God's children right now. Right now. Right now you are God's children. Right now you are made in his image. Right now you are part of his family. It is, but, or however, it isn't yet apparent what we will become. For we do know when it is finally made visible, we shall be just like him. For we shall see him as he truly is. We shall see him. You know, we don't need to fear the judging, the judgment of Christ coming. Because those who believe in him will connect with him and will become like him. Isn't that an amazing promise of God? That on one hand, yes, we're flawed human beings. On the other hand, we're created and recreated in his image. And this is the basis of how we interact with one another too. He, um, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians, and I'm closing with this. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 18, he says, We can all draw close to him with a veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. You know the answer to our humanness, to our weaknesses, to our shortcomings, is come close to Jesus. Come close to Jesus. You know, if you ever go to your pastor for some, for some advice, and he says, come on, when, how's your prayer life? How's your life in the scripture? How's your life in, in worship? How's your fellowship with other believers? All they're trying to do is bring you close to Jesus. Because I know that I can't, fix, I can't fix you. But I can point you to Christ. And he can. Why? Because as the closer you get, the more you reflect him. The more you become like him. So with no veil, we become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. And we are being transformed into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transformation, it's the Lord's work. It's the Lord's work. You know, we might realize that we have shortcomings and failures. We might realize that we're not all we should be. But it's the Lord's work by the Spirit. That's what he says right there. By the Spirit. I'm doing this. I'm working in you. Draw your hearts closer to me. Draw your life in. Open your Bible. 
Begin to pray. Open the scripture and just read. Maybe Psalm 25 is a good place to start. Maybe the Gospel of Mark and realize that Jesus has called you to be one of his followers. He's called you to leave your old life behind. He's called you to be changed and transformed. Just draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. By my Holy Spirit, says the Lord. Let's just stand and pray, shall we? We're going to finish with a final song. And uh, during, during that time, you can collect your children. Lord, we draw close to you. We draw our hearts close to you and we trust in you. We believe in you. Lord, and as we do, we change and transform into your image. We leave our old life behind. We choose to come out of darkness and come into your marvelous light. For we are your children. We are your children, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Let our hearts be soft before you. Let our hearts be right before you. Let you direct our path. Let you lead us into the way of truth. Let you lead us in how you want us to live. And let us become more than who we are. Amen, amen.